Well, we are in the uh, third week of this series that we just simply call Solution. Because we're taking seven weeks, which is a little longer than what we normally spend on a series. Uh, because as I began to prepare, I was like, okay, well, I need to spend a whole Sunday on that. We need to get that nailed down. I was going to throw too much at you too fast and so we begin to just stretch it out and so we're in our third week if you uh, missed the first couple of weeks you can get them on the web Uh, you can get the notes on the web the whole bit you sit there and listen and print it out the pdf and fill it all out if you want to and relive the experience Um, but this is a line up online kind of deal we're one concept helps us move to the next concept and as you crack open your notes and get ready to, to fill in those blanks, this, this first idea is what I wanted us to walk away with. If we have walk away from this series with one concept, I want this to be it, okay? And it's God's desire is to continually grow us from the inside out. And this growth is in the area of our mind, our will, and our emotions, also known as our soul and we've been looking at the difference between the soul and the spirit and the body because they are soul and spirit are two different things and that that is what god is doing remember we talked about last week that when we embrace christ when we place our faith in his completed work that we are reborn immediately we are our spirits are heaven ready right now when we were alive in christ we are alive in christ we are heaven ready in christ Now, there is this process in our soul, in our mind, and in our will, and our emotions that doesn't reflect heaven very well all the time. I don't know about you, but I know me, that there are times that some of the pressures of life and some of this stuff can kind of make some stuff kind of pop out of me that doesn't look very Christ-like. And uh, that's the stuff that God is working in us and getting out of us so that we can reveal more and more and more of Christ. One of the things that helped me understand this concept is that the initial rebirth experience, the place in our faith in Christ for our eternal salvation, that that makes us heaven ready. We are, we are ready to be in heaven immediately. Okay? When we allow God to revamp and do this big old renovation on our soul, that's where we begin to take, because we're, we're ready for now with salvation for us to go from here to heaven. The soul renovation helps take heaven from there and manifest it here on earth. That is when we begin to reveal Christ. When we begin to become more Christ-like is when our souls begin to shift. And some of the stuff of this world, our regular habits, our regular sinful tendencies, that stuff begins to get worked out of us, not by following a bunch of rules and regulations. We already covered that in the Freedom Series but by the Spirit of God living in us and transforming us and leading us into the life He has called us to live. And that is what we're doing. And if we miss that, if we miss the soul transformation, we're we're missing a big part of what God wants to do in our lives. We're missing a big part of it. Do I say, you know what, if you get born as a baby and you stay a baby, well, then you're not going to be having... No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is that you're missing an opportunity to allow God to fully work in you and you get all of what is supposed to be there. Well, of course, this is Memorial Day weekend, you know, and uh, 
there was a friend of mine on Facebook that had mentioned they were going to go uh, to Cloudcroft, New Mexico, up in the mountains um, this weekend, and were shopping for a cabin. And her husband was uh, military, and so contacts the cabins. Husband's military coming on Memorial Day weekend to go and go to this cabin and ask, you know, about discounts. And is on the phone with this person in Cloudcroft and uh, says, well, do you have uh, military discounts? And they're like, yes, we do. Uh, but not on uh, uh, Memorial Day weekend is a, a high traffic weekend. We don't give military discounts on Memorial Day weekend. And you're like, what? Seriously? You're totally missing the point. There's this one little thing of honor them when it's convenient. But then when it's going to cost something, all of, a some, all of a sudden, yeah, we're not going to be in there. That is what we don't want to do in our spiritual lives, okay? We don't want to just try to grab the convenience of what's offered in Christ for, for heaven and skirt out on the soul transformation because that's going to cost us a little bit. That's going to cost us some of our habits. That's going to cost us some of us saying no to some things that we would rather say yes to. And we do that under the false presumption that somehow... What God wants to do is going to make our life less. Seriously? Seriously? God who created us wants to make our life less? No, no, no. And that's why we got the more we know him, the more we can trust him. This soul transformation is vital. Let's look at John chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. We're going to hit this scripture every week, all seven weeks. Why? Because I think it's just pivotal to our understanding. It says, Beloved, in regard to all things, I pray that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. I pray that your life go good as your soul prospers. As we begin to allow God to renovate our mind, our will, and emotions, it's going to begin to affect every area of our lives. But if we shut down in that area, we're going to see the other stuff shut down too. Our desire is to know God better and trust Him more. That's our purpose. You look on our website, you're going to see it. You look on anything that has to do with Celebration Church, you go through uh, our uh, newcomers class, and you're going to hear it over and over and over again, that our purpose is to help people to know God better and to trust Him more. That is what we're all about. That's what we want. But see, when our minds get focused on other things... God's truth doesn't produce what it should produce in our lives. Somehow this thing gets, gets, gets hamstrung. It gets, it gets messed up in our lives. Let's look at Mark chapter 4. We're going to look right quick. at This is the, a little snippet of the, uh, the parable of the sower. Okay? If you've been in church at any kind of length of time, you've heard of this parable where the, the seed is cast out and it's on multiple different kinds of soils. And it gets cast out on the stony ground and the birds of the air come and nibble it up. It gets on the, on the stony ground. And uh, what did I say the first time? Did I say stony ground? No, it was on the hard path. Okay, keep me honest here. I'm going to keep the scriptures right. The hard path, it gets nibbled up. The stony ground, it grows up quickly and then withers because it doesn't have any root. Okay, now we're here to the third one, okay, which is it's sown among the weeds. And then the last one is sown in the good ground and it reaps and produces what it's supposed to. Okay, that's what we want to see. But here's the, this is the third one. Before we get into this, this is where I think 
most of us get bogged down. I don't think we walk into church and open up our Bibles and get into this place of prayer and have this hard, packed heart saying, God, you don't have any entrance here. I don't think that we're just the little soil that has the little stony stuff that it kind of gets excited and then it goes away. I think most of us are here on this, on this thing. Let's read it. This is Jesus explaining. It says, still others <clears throat> like seed sown among the thorns or the weeds hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful it's not saying that chokes it and it kills it and that the plant's dead you know whenever i was a kid and i was younger i was thinking okay you had a seed you know doesn't germinate seed germinates dies another seed germinates dies then you got the good one that lives and produces Hmm, there's this there's this third one here doesn't say anything about this plant going that it doesn't it's not alive that this seed is growing this seed has been embraced it's getting some sort of nourishment But there is this thing of its fruitfulness. The whole point is for it to make other seeds and produce this harvest. That's the whole point. But something comes in and it squishes it out. It chokes it out. The plant is still there. So guess what? All that needs to take place is some weeding. All it's got to do is some weeds get going. You don't have to put the word all in all over again. You just get the weeds out. Just get that stuff out and guess what it'll do? It'll produce what it's supposed to produce. <clears throat> it's, uh, I, I see this a, a lot as in uh, this. Uh, anybody familiar with the old, old, old Chinese custom of foot binding? Um, I tell you what, we go through some weird, weird phases. In fact, we were talking. We were talking about it just before, when the band was getting together, about just how, how fashions just shift. You know, and you don't really want to sell out. To certain, fa- you don't want to really sell out to certain fashion trends because things just come and go, and so somehow somebody decided that it. W- what if the fashion trend of the unibrow comes in? You know, just have one. You know, and then women are like, you know, I, you know, making it look like they have one ginormous Ernie, and uh, you know, and then I said, well, somebody would kind of overcommit to that and go ahead and have it tattooed permanently in, and then uh, then, oh, they're, then they're stuck. Then they're, they're just. They're just stuck. In, in fact, I, I've just started a biography on a, on a great theologian. And uh, talking about, it was talking about some, some weird, um, I wasn't even saying weird, it was just strange to our minds, of that it was fashion. And it was cool for a guy to get his face disfigured in a duel. It was this badge of courage. If your nose had gotten like, hit with a sword and was like cleft and like, you know, and you, or you had this ginormous scar across your face or a couple of them, then that was awesome. You were set for life. Everybody looked at you and were like, man, you're, you're one bad dude. You're awesome. And so guys would get in these duels and wear armor everywhere but their face and get in these, and they said it was more like poking contests. And they would, could not move away from poke reach and they would poke each other in the face to get these scars, these, these guys in these college fraternities, they would do this. And they would just, man. And then if one guy didn't get one, he would like go to his own, go out back and like gouge his face up so he could get some cool scars. Obviously, they thought chicks dig scars back then. And uh, so, but, but, you know, today people do the opposite. They get plastic surgery to get every little imperfection taken care of. They, they want to drive it all away. 
And so, uh, but there's just, just, we just do some, some weird stuff. And, uh, but years and years ago in, in China, they had decided that big feet were just horrendously unattractive. I'd just be an ugly person. I'd just, I'd just look at my feet and just probably start hurling a little bit. I'd just puked in my mouth a little. And uh, I'd just be bad with my big feet. And, uh, and so, and especially on females, so they would take these little girls and they would bind their feet up and they would put, put little blocks and put all these tight wraps so that as they would grow, their feet wouldn't. And they would have these little block feet. Now you take the wraps off and of course after they've you know, hit full maturity as a woman and their feet have been bound all these years, they're just grossly <coughs> disfigured because your feet are not supposed to do that. But when they had their little silk shoes on, they had little tiny sweet feet and looked good. Now, they couldn't walk around. People had to carry them around. And so they couldn't, it wasn't functional, but it had, they had been not allowed to grow. These things, this, these, look at, let's look at them. We have the, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things. All of this stuff has to do with soul issues our mind our will and our emotions when those things get ramped up we don't have the soul in order we can have the truth of god's word alive in our heart that we look at it and go no i have not rejected that i believe that's true i believe that that's what god wants to happen and it's alive in our hearts but yet we allow these soul issues our worries our concerns these places where we don't trust and it comes in and it binds that like that foot body and it doesn't allow it to mature right and it produces deformed christian maturity we end up not like we're supposed to end up the seed is there we know okay it should be producing a harvest it's not producing a harvest what's the deal our soul was out of line that's why this series is so important this this one is called soul train today we're doing soul train. Why? Because there is an order, okay? And the soul cannot be the engine, okay? It's not the caboose either, all right? The, the soul, the, what has to be the engine is the spirit. We have to be a spirit-led people. But let's get back into Mark chapter 7. It says, Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down and that you do many things like that. Our traditions, our ways of thinking, our, our normal operations of our mind, will, and emotions can nullify the word of God in our life. We just absolutely don't want to live life that way. So in this soul train, in this chain of command of who we are, the spirit must be in the driver's seat. The soul should never, ever be in the lead. When we allow our, our emotions, especially all of these things, to begin to drive us. Now, we're not supposed to be a bunch of Vulcans without emotions, okay? We're not supposed to be a bunch of Stoics. God has emotions. Emotions are a good thing. They flavor life. But no more than I want to go to a restaurant and have a big spoon of seasoning and a little pinch of steak. I don't want that. That's messed up. I want some pinch of seasoning on my big bite of steak 
That makes it better. But I don't want it the other way around. When we try to live by the soul, we try to live by our emotions, we try to live by those things, we're trying to eat the seasoning. And we, there's no nourishment, and it just messes everything up that way. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians 5.23. It says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you. Now, that's a church word. Okay, so we, when we get to church words, we have to kind of... We have to kind of make sure we all are on the same page. Sanctify is to just make clean, to make right, okay? Believe it or not, when your kitchen gets erect, you go in and you sanctify your kitchen, okay? And so you go in and you put everything back in order. You put everything back in place. You get it clean. You get it ready for use, okay? That's all the sanctification process is. When we allow God to sanctify us, We're allowing him to take our lives, to put them in order, to clean them up, to be ready for use. That's all that we're talking about here. It's not a scary church word. It's a good thing. And sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is this order. The spirit takes place first. That's why whenever we come to Christ, the spirit is born again. It gets taken care of first, and then it's, it's done, and the Spirit is heaven ready, and then now we're in this process of dealing with our soul. And as we deal with our soul, the more it comes in, then, this, <clears throat> then our, our, our truth from, from Third John becomes in all the more that our, the whole life gets in order. It is absolutely vital. And I tell you what, this, uh, this thing of getting things back in order... Um, this thing kind of, the, the wheels came off of this way back when and with original sin. We kind of got a little, we got a little video clip we want to show you of just maybe how things kind of were soulish and ugly right after the, uh, you ready, Nathan? I mean, Anthony. Adam, does this goat skin make me look big? Looks better on you than the previous owner. What? I'm having a hard time losing these last few pounds since bearing your children, and that's the best you can do? I look better than a goat? Thanks. Babe, you know you are the most beautiful woman on the planet. Mm. What? I'm the only woman on the planet. Well, I can't help that. You know, and it's amazing that as the only woman on the planet, you still can't seem to remember my birthday or give me flowers once in a while. Well, I did give you a rib. Oh, right. I forgot about that, since you haven't mentioned it for an hour. It's like your free pass to never lift a finger for me again. Never lift a finger? I am out there busting my rear all day. Food just doesn't pop up from the ground. I have to get it with the sweat of my brow, since someone went and got the ground cursed. You think farming's hard? Try raising those kids. Try giving birth. Well, if someone wouldn't have taken advice from a talking reptile. Oh, here we go. Are you talking to me, you little snake? What? Oh, jump off a bridge? Oh, I would, but they haven't been invented yet. Oh, eat this fruit? Well, you look like a pretty trustworthy snake. Nobody's perfect. Yeah, well, we were until you went and pretty much ruined it for all of mankind. So, good job with that. I seem to remember you taking a bite, too. Well, I thought I was eating from the tree of the knowledge of restfulness and serenity. Right. It's never your fault. Besides, what was I going to do with a fallen wife? That would just be weird. Oh, you fell for me? 
You're an idiot. Idiot? I named every single animal. Right. Great job with that. A, a prairie dog's not a dog. A seahorse isn't a horse. And a bald eagle isn't bald. Well, I was going pretty fast. Aardvark? Platypus? Okay, they were at the back of the line. Not everything can be cat or rat or bat. Hippopotamus? Yeah, well, woman was taken. Okay, how many gorge do you have back there? That was a joke. Not good for men to be alone. <sighs> no, it's great. We've been dealing with this soul thing a long time. A long time. And mo most of our issues in life, whether it's in marriage, whether it is friendships, whether it is with our bosses, whether it is internal, it comes from that soul area. It comes from the tension in that, that there is this ideal that God has set up, this place of selflessness, where somehow when we operate ultimately in selflessness, our self gets truly fulfilled. While God, and wrapping our minds around that is just absolutely difficult sometimes. See, Romans six twelve says, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that it, you obey its evil desires. Okay? That is when we are allowing the Holy Spirit to bring some soul transformation into our lives. We get to have to remember, we don't have to allow our soul to be in control. We don't have to let it happen. Just because we have these habits that things have kind of always rolled this way. When we get to this juncture, we've always taken a right turn. We don't have to do that. That is one of the beautiful things that whenever we come to Christ, that he has restored us to us the ability to now choose life. Remember we talked about that last week. That whenever he was there in the garden saying, not my will, but yours be done. And his, his very sweat had his blood in it. That, that he was purchasing back for us the ability to choose God's will over our own will. See, Galatians 5 says, the entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. The sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not, so that you do, not do what you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. See this freedom that Christ purchased for us? That's what the Holy Spirit is working to lead us in. That we can live constantly in that freedom. Remember we, in that series we talked about the fact that if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to do that, we will get trapped in this whole, this whole process, this whole law of totally giving in to these destructive cycles. And seeing destruction take place in our lives. Or we can have the Holy Spirit retrain our chooser and begin to choose life. And see life begin to grow more and more within ourselves, within our relationships, in all of life, John says. This is absolutely vital. We have to learn to allow the Holy Spirit to begin to lead us. 
And you're like, man, Brandon, I, I don't understand this. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm new to this whole thing. How do, I, how do I know when God's talking to me? That's a common question. Hey, preacher, how do I, how do I know what, what's, when God's talking to me? Well, there's a couple of things. One thing is he gave us, this, he gave us these truths, okay? And the Holy Spirit will never lead us contrary to what he's already laid out in the Bible, okay? But then there's a lot of things that it doesn't, you know, it doesn't say, you know, this, that, and the other directly in the Bible. So then we have to learn to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us. And the Holy Spirit will lead us into peace. And I love this truth that Jesus tells us in John 10. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Another translation says, my sheep know my voice. Well, it's one of those things when we finally say, you know what, God, I really don't want, I'm really not pursuing my own way in this deal. I really want to know what you want. I'm telling you, it's really not that hard to discern the Spirit of God. It's not. When we let go of our own agendas and get quiet before God and say, God, what, what, what's the decision that needs to happen here? I'm telling you, it, does, doesn't, it doesn't take a whole lot. We will know and He will lead us into perfect peace. Because the Holy Spirit is working in us to make us more like Him. It was used way too much, probably, and became trite. But my goodness, it's still so true. WWJD, what would Jesus do? We are being made into His image. He is wanting to make us more and more like Him. Ephesians chapter 4 says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by what? It's deceitful desires. The deceitful desires keep popping up over and over and over again. This is this thing where the soul and our mind, will, and emotions, we have to choose which direction are we going. Are we going to be spirit-led? Or are we going to be led by our normal destructive desire process? <clears throat> We're corrupted by its deceitful desires to be, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self. Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. See, that's the thing is, you know, all of the whole rules and regulations were trying to force righteousness and holiness on us. And trying to just get us in the headlock and make us go there. And we found that doesn't work. But when we allow the Spirit of God to work in our lives, then He produces this righteousness and holiness. It's like we look up and go... Wow, I'm beginning to act more like Christ. It just begins to come out of our lives. I love the way the message translation reads this. Let's go ahead and look at that. It says, since then, we did not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything, connected to the old way of life has to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it and then take on an entirely new way of life. A God-fashioned life. A life renewed from the inside. Ah, so good. And working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. Look at that. It's on the inside and it's working its way into our conduct. Our conduct does not force something onto the inside of us. As we're changed from the inside, it begins to shift our conduct. 
That's why a lot of times there will be this thing that you, well, God will do something in our hearts and, and our minds will begin to look at things differently than we've ever looked at them before. But yet our conduct hasn't quite caught up and we have this holy frustration. We, we get irritated with ourselves and our lives. Stay the course. Stay the course. Do not bail out. It is a normal process that God begins to make a truth alive in your heart and then begin to change you and it will change your conduct. That's why we have to be patient with each other, folks. Because what we deal with is each other's conduct. Okay? We deal with each other's conduct all the time. So we have to be patient with each other as we allow, give each other the right to have the Holy Spirit work in their life. And as time goes that conduct begins to shift. And there is this place when we, get, when we choose to be tender before God, we choose to be pliable, that, man, real change can happen. <clears throat> My great-grandmother's funeral, she, she was 100 years old when she passed away, was on our wedding day. I did not get to go to my great-grandmother's funeral because we were getting married. And... Um, and so she had made her mind up. She was going to live to 100. She lived to 100 and about six weeks old, and she passed. She was just a stout, awesome lady. Now, obviously, this was it's going on 18 years ago. So she'd be 118 today. And uh, so she lived way before orthodontics and all that. And, uh, in fact, you didn't want those braces <laughs> on your face if they had them back then. And, uh, but her teeth were crooked. And she did not like her crooked teeth. And she had heard somewhere that first thing in, your, in the morning, your gums are the softest they are of the day. And so, and that if you twist on your teeth and put just a little bit of pressure and be constant with it, you can straighten your own teeth. And so when she was in her early teen years, she decided she was going to do that. And diligently, day after day, little by little, she... <clears throat> would get up in the morning and go in the mirror and she would tweak her teeth and just put pressure on her teeth. And sure enough, over the process of years, she straightened out her own crooked teeth. And when she died at 100 years old, she still had her teeth in her head. It wasn't dentures, they were her teeth. And she had sewn into those teeth and took good care of those teeth and went to her grave with her teeth. That is what we want in our lives. We want to choose to be pliable before God. Say, God, you know what? The, 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 the busyness of life can, can kind of harden me down and make it where I'm rigid. But God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose to find some pliable moments in my day. And God, just, just tweak me a little. Just change me a little. And it's little by little, day by day, as we choose to be pliable before God, this soul transformation will take place. You'll look up one day and go, wow, look what God has done. See, Christian maturity is about the life of God in us, showing the life of God through us. And this happens as the choices that come from our mind, our will, and our emotions are led by the Spirit. That's when real change happens, is when we get Spirit-led. Not pressure from other people-led, not self-beating-up-led, but led by the loving spirit of God. Now this morning, I appreciate if we could just make a quiet moment in here because we want to give everybody an opportunity to make sure that they have done that first step. 
They've embraced the life that is so available and stepped over from death to life and said, you know what, I need Christ and I want, I want that. I want that life. And we're going to get you heaven ready right now. You just, say, you just embrace it. You just say, Jesus did that for me. Jesus' death took care of my death. His life brings me life. And you, you own that. And you are. You, you, it happens. The rebirth process takes place immediately.